0: The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. You have been forewarned. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is a Patreon edition. Five dollar episode. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man with the crane technique for arguments, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hi, Tom.
1: Canvas, you like? JCPenney, 398.
0: (laughs) I've been looking forward to this based on mostly... (laughs) Most especially based on our last talking of the Karate Kid series, yes, because you seem to think that Mister Miyagi is the worst person in the world, <laughs> and I would like to defend his honor tonight, <laughs> sir.
1: Well, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead to a ten-dollar episode, but uh, I far <laughs> prefer him to Mister Han. <laughs> <laughs> at least he didn't. At least, at least Mr. Miyagi didn't actively kill his own family. Um, but... <laughs> I thought the same thing. But that's that's by the by. Um, I I was I was fascinated to see how this movie used Pat Morita's comic chops. Yeah, like firstly as misdirection. not misdire- just. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, firstly as misdirection, so he's like you know to make out he's this ignorant buffoon before we realize he's a martial arts master. And right. then with lines like, um, the quotable, like, um, yeah, I just picked. Uh, and not just
0: that, but you're c- talking the, the thing that I really started thinking a lot about and was reading a lot about in the IMDB notes was, you know, he had to audition a couple of times because he speaks English. <laughs> he doesn't, you know, he, he is not a Japanese speaking man. Yes. And so he had to do two passes on his accent mm. for this movie. And I real one of the things I realized was that when you take an American like Pat Morita who ended up putting his uh, you know his Japanese name they they put his Japanese name in front of Pat because mm-hmm. they wanted more connection to that heritage Interesting. Of, of himself and Just the idea that that because he was immersed in American culture, that he was able to find sort of the perfect broken English mannerism of speak. Yes. To do exactly what you were saying, Hmm. which was to lean into his comedic chops, but also make the character himself more endearing.
1: Yeah. And in addition to that i think i think they use they use his comedy persona to demystify some of the mythology surrounding you know the east and martial arts martial arts yeah which is interesting given that it's a movie set in the valley that is so concerned <laughs> with karate <laughs> heritage but it, it really does seem like it wants to distinguish itself from the kind of Bruce Lee or David Carradine versions of martial arts that we've seen in Western yeah. media but again you know so <laughs> so in in, uh, in a movie you know where um there's a place called golf and stuff you know it's a it's a really strange um it's a really strange yeah, approach.
0: This is the movie that made me think golf and stuff was the perfect date.
1: I, I I didn't want to bring this up quite so early, but I really think they're burying the lead in golf and stuff because the stuff part the is, stuff is more <laughs> it's it's a water park and an arcade, right? So yeah. fuck the golf.
0: <laughs>
1: it was also. Perhaps... Yeah.
0: Perhaps being from England you can't you can't rely on how how much the golf of golf and stuff was important to Americans. We love our miniature golf.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um <laughs> and I should, you know, unh- and hailing originally from Scotland I should as well, but uh I just I, I felt I just I I felt like they 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 missed a marketing opportunity there by by making it seem as if golf was the main attraction. Right. Um <laughs> But it didn't. Did it remi- Did that place remind you of Poltergeist three, and the idea of this kind of one stop shop? You know, I. I... No, I mean <laughs> like, I didn't make that connection. It's, it's, it's 80s, a different thing to me. Yeah. This eighties utopia of of a you know you just go to one place for the entire evening and it'll take care of all of your all of your wants and needs at once.
0: Yeah, we didn't have golf and stuff here, but we had what we called family fun centers.
1: And boomers, and, right? That's uh
0: That's a different thing. That came later, so it's like a,
1: sorry sorry. <laughs> that's <laughs> boomers is totally different. No fun is had
0: there. Did <laughs> you, you saw how easily I swatted away the I idea know, of boomers? I, know. <laughs>
1: <It's> like, <laughs> I gotta say, in the big scheme of things, boomers is similar to you're you're not wrong and family fun center i mean
0: and then boomers (laughs) kind of turned into dave and busters so it it keeps sort of turning into something else but it's all sort of the same idea yeah but golf and stuff and family fun center is you know
1: hits me in
0: my nostalgic 80s
1: well when ali first you know uh recommends it for a date Mm -hmm. i it it was very confusing i was like she she is like, does she mean the country club? Is that what she calls the country club? <laughs> it's especially confusing because later on you actually do go to a country club, right? So, all
0: right, well, uh, let's get to it, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. This is your uh, five dollar Patreon episode. If you're listening to this, we love you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Thank you. And we should we
1: should find a way to charge three ninety eight for this, so that it's the right. same price as Miyagi's yes. belt. <laughs>
0: I keep thinking too, because we always do the first movie first. Yeah, <laughs> and Look at it's almost Mavericks. always <laughs> it's almost it's almost always the the better of the two movies. So part of me yeah. thinks that we should charge the the, the ten dollars for
1: the better movie. I, I I know what you mean, but uh, <laughs> I th- I don't know some some of the I think some of the pledges, and I'm not just saying this to get five more dollars of your money. But I think one of the, one of the pleasures of, of this format is comparing the two. I mean, we're already talking about. I, the two, I agree with you the yeah, chi- you're the right. 2010 version and uh, I, I have a, not to say that this won't be a great episode, but um, uh, I think it, I think the next one will be highly entertaining.
0: <laughs> I already have a bet with myself on that one. Yeah, that you had not seen it.
1: Okay. Well, uh, well, uh, reveal it <laughs> later. Yeah, that yeah, make him pay $5 for that information.
0: <laughs> exactly right. Well, this Karate Kid is a 1984 movie directed by our good friend John G Avildsen. Uh, what can I say? Rocky 1 and Rocky 5, Karate Kids 1, 2 and 3, we've seen them before. Lean on me, the power of one and 8 seconds. John G Avildsen.
1: Yeah, king king of the king of the sports movie in this well a particular kind of sports movie
0: yeah yeah exactly because they're outskirts you know boxing yeah. is the most mainstream thing he can manage I mean after that you've got karate and bull riding on his resume <laughs> <laughs> the, world,
1: the the world of boxing wasn't fringe enough for him. Yeah. That's what exactly. that's why he had to go back to street fighting in in Rocky 5. <laughs> exactly. It was it was all getting far too mainstream having boxing in rings. Well, this is a
0: you know obviously this is a much beloved movie, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, it had a budget of 8 million dollars and just 8 million. Wow. And then an opening weekend of 5 million, but in the USA and the world 91 million dollars and as we know spawned Three sequels and now a television series,
1: and a significant it's television IP. Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, 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 you know, and now a, a you know a, well, three three sequels, a reboot, and then a television series. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and you know, a television series that is one of the bedrocks of American television now.
2: I yeah,
0: um, I, I, I well, we're in lockstep and, on that,
1: and I think. Re- well what what i think is kind of amazing about the book about because karate kid and cobra kai are now the two bookends of the franchise right and it puts the franchise in a, in a place for me where i i can watch the karate kid through the lens of cobra kai and it's a better movie and i can watch I guess, cobra exactly. kai through the, through the lens of karate kid and it's a better tv series yeah they are they're so complementary Everything that you don't get in Karate Kid, you get in Cobra Kai and vice versa. But they don't step on each other's toes either.
0: Yeah, I agree. And there was, there was a specific line in this one that, uh, to me, made Cobra Kai all the more poignant. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's coming up soon, so I'll save it. But it, it has to do with Johnny Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And I, cu- I couldn't believe the line when I heard it. Uh, I think well, I know.
1: What go- you- yeah, I think is it is it ex degenerate? Yeah, Johnny Lawrence. He's called an ex degenerate, which is that is some amazing foresight to call <laughs> to call a teenage boy what he will turn out to be as a middle aged man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: I did. I did. That was the line that 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 he. It started with ex degenerate, but when he starts talking about. Uh, you know, I'm an ex-degenerate and I have one year to make it all work. Yeah. So it's like it like for this character, this year was going to be the most important year in his life. Right. And everything got turned on its head for him. And to me, that makes Cobra Kai all the, the more better. I mean, I just can't yeah. believe it when I heard him talking about that.
1: Well, you'd like the the next time, essentially, the next time you catch up with him, if you discount the opening of Karate Kid Part Two, which is as because it's a John G. Avildsen film, it's the same night um, yes. as the end of Karate Kid. <laughs> but the next time we catch up with him, you know, he's still he's still trying to live down that what happened that, kick, that year. That, you that can't one escape it. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. I, there's there's so many examples here where where the Karate Kid leaves just enough room for Cobra Kai to um, take on an idea and run with it. Yeah. And, it it it, it that's so interesting. I mean, most franchises don't get the luxury of having a series like Cobra Kai to mm-hmm. to do that with. Um, but you know, a- anything that you're lacking in Karate Kid, you get in Cobra Kai, and vice versa. I yeah. think they're interdependent well, in a in a really in, in my... a way that m- most franchises just don't hang together this well. Mm-hmm. And this one should certainly shouldn't, because everything in between right, that right, is terrible. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> no, I seem to I seem to recall you you quite liked Karate Kid three.
1: Yes, I did, but again, I, I mean, I I enjoyed it, but it, it's it, it's. You still it's recognize like, it as terrible. I, I recognize, yeah, it's. I recognize that it's. I think I said it's a good movie, but um. Yeah, you did. More more enjoyable. You monster. Than, more enjoyable than good. <laughs> All right, fine. That is definitely a movie that improves upon watching it through <laughs> the lens of Cobra Kai. Oh, definitely. <laughs>
0: And that's the th- that's the, the I'll, this is the last thing I'll say about Cobra Kai, too. That's, no, it's not. You're right. Don't but. make that
1: promise to the
0: listeners. <laughs> but I think it's important to point out, you know, from two on, except for you, the sequels get more and more derided. Yes. They are thought of in the public consciousness as getting worse and worse and worse and yet they all raise their level through the lens of Cobra Kai and that's the yeah. magic of Cobra Kai that's what i th- I'm, i just love that that series is able to do that and in a way that well. i can't um, think of it, a, another piece, piece of filmmaking and or television uh that is able to do that in the same way that that show can
2: it's, it's fantastic
1: not a, <laughs> it's not a direct analogy but to me it feels like the relationship between Goodfellas and The Sopranos,
2: hmm.
1: like, even though they're not in a shared storytelling universe, yes. one is playing off the other in in a way that they both grow exponentially. If you know both of them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I think that's that's what Cobra Kai did for for Karate Kid, but but that that's not to say that you know it it works from the other side as well. Karate Kid had to be something incredible in and of itself. Mm -hmm. to be a springboard for Cobra Kai.
0: And the other movies, whether they were good, bad, or, you know, somewhere in between. Sure. Yeah.
1: But there's a lot more going on in this movie than in any of the sequels.
0: Oh, so much more.
1: So much. I mean, that really struck me upon this viewing, how layered this movie is.
0: Okay, I'm glad you saw... I'm glad, yeah, because I had the same experience watching
1: it. There's... From the first shot of the movie... Um it's thematically trying to say so much it's mm-hmm. um, it's it's trying to tell uh, a story that's that's bigger than it seems like on the surface absolutely there's a moment late you know more than
0: halfway through the film uh, that was so nuanced mm-hmm. i i almost couldn't believe it
1: oh i have a ton of those as well a ton yeah. of those examples Really, just really insightful film writing and direction and acting.
0: Yeah. That's one of my other notes. Yeah. Actually, uh, specifically, well, you're right about the writing and directing, but I noticed, I really noticed why all these actors are still in our lives today.
1: 100%.
0: Through watching this movie, because the three main leads. Or teenage leads, at least through yes. Elizabeth Shue, Ralph Macchio, and William Zabka, they are just bringing it in every single moment of this movie. It's it's mm-hmm. really it's so much fun to watch. Great mm-hmm. acting from young actors.
1: Yeah, completely.
0: All right. Well, let's start.
1: All right. Because well- my
0: first my first note. <laughs> Is how giddy I got once again just seeing something like the old school Columbia logo.
1: And this is exactly what I was talking about when I said on a previous episode. I think it was the, the maybe the Spider Man Patreons we did because uh, mm-hmm. that those were Columbia movies. Yeah, the nineteen eighties Columbia Pictures logo looks like the expensive ornament at your grandparents' house. <laughs> this is what I was talking about. <laughs> you know that's the one they, they kind of barricade it behind the good China so there's yeah. no chance that you so, can yeah. <laughs> It's like you're Accidentally gonna break knock all it off of, the
0: tree you're yeah. gonna
1: break all of that before you even get there It's like the yeah. idol in Raids of the lost Ark. it's like you're never gonna <laughs> you're not gonna get there unless you smash up everything
0: right <laughs> oh that's so good I said it gave me the warm and fuzzies
1: oh I mean it, yeah it's uh it's beautiful um it's a beautiful way to open a movie. Um, I was struck by the fact that there's a time and place setting before the movie begins. Yeah, I, I didn't did, remember that either. I did not remember that, especially as literally seconds of this movie take place in, Newark. in the location that they establish in the opening yes, shots. exactly. But what's kind of interesting about that to me is that it's obviously important to Avildsen as a director that well, we start and I, here. I think,
0: I, I think it's important to him, but I also... And I think I agree with him. I think he thinks it's important for the characters and specifically for Daniel. Yeah. To see where he co- he comes from and where he's going to.
1: Except we don't see where he comes from. Like he, the, it's, 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 He's leaving as we, uh, you know. Yeah, as, but
0: at, at the very least over credits, you're, you are going to see the stark contrast yes. between New Jersey and them driving cross country. We're obviously seeing Arizona at some point. So you're yeah. seeing the high desert mountains, and you know the culture shock that it would be for that character.
1: I think it, I think it's that. I also I think it's um, it, it's Avildsen as well, sort of wanting to you know showing that he's transitioning from the East Coast settings of Rocky.
2: Hmm. Uh,
1: but we're but we're back in that milieu, that urban industrial yeah. working class milieu which is which is his you know his happy place as a director
0: maybe <laughs>
1: and so in a sense this is this, you know it it's we we we're like like we're transitioning from the end of rocky almost uh, that's gonna, interesting yeah we're going we're going to tell a diff, a different story um but look you know straight away i mean do
0: you feel like is it is it that he feels like he has to do that as a director, oh, but it's. Do you think he's conscious enough to say people know me from Rocky, and I'm going? They're going to think this is a Rocky movie with feet, and I'm going to show them that it's more than that.
1: Uh yeah, I think that. But also, what you said about um about setting up the kind of mm-hmm. the conflicts and tensions of the story, yeah, which is 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 a great deal of which is about cult- culture shock um and something that's also clear in this opening for me is that is that Avildsen sees it as a modern day frontier story because the way he films that journey from yeah. New Jersey to California we go through Monument Valley the mm-hmm. music that Bill Conti does is specifically a John Ford western soundtrack
0: I think some of those I think one of those stops this where where they well and also just the economy of storytelling they have Uh, where over the credits, you're watching them push the car to try Mm -hmm. and jumpstart it. Yeah. Which will come back in a character way later, I think is, is a little masterstroke of brilliance. But I think that place they stopped at was a famous filming place for Westerns.
1: Yeah. and And I definitely think, I think that's a choice. I think, you know, I think they're being portrayed as modern day pioneers. Mm hmm. Um, and that, you know, and that, that's all done visually.
0: Yes. Right. Uh,
1: which I think is, is terrific. And, you know, and he also, you know, he see establishes the style of the movie, um, in, in this opening as well. You get the lens flare, the, the location shooting that's photorealistic cameras Mm -hmm. off balance, the pseudo documentary aesthetic, which, you know, we associate with Rocky as well, but, um, he kind of puts his signature on it right away uh and just kind of makes it a a really striking opening that set that, that completely sets up the movie for us both in terms of story and theme mhm uh i just think it's and as you said done very economically and entirely visually we never have to go into the car and have any dialogue between no
0: them. conversations between mom and son
1: yeah um so I think it's I think it's beautiful and when they arrive uh, at their destination it it really um it really spoke to me as someone who in their lifetime has emigrated to California. Yeah. Because the way that it, it looks both exotic and sketchy at the same time, right? That's exactly how I remember f- like seeing Cal- like moving to California and seeing it for the first time, like not just as a mm. Not just as a kind of playground for a for a tourist, but it's like I'm gonna be living. You know, like you're looking around, going, "This is this is unreal. This is like fantasy made real." On the other hand, that guy looks a bit dodgy. Sketchy. And I need to. <laughs> I maybe need to get off this street. I have to and keep that, a distance. <laughs> and you know, like I haven't felt that since I first moved here, and this this reminded me of that because Daniel's in this in a similar situation that I was, and and Abelson really finds that well it's funny too because he's coming from new jersey
0: and new york and new but jersey diff- I, I, a, I think a, a, i think a, a californian kind of would think of those places as sketchy <laughs> right you know? right and so that's what the sort of role reversal of that i think is pretty pretty fantastic
1: and then if the first person he runs into is from is a native native new jerseyan
0: yeah right well the second because the first yes, person is a person he almost knocks unconscious by kicking the wooden door, and he befriends Freddy. And it's funny because both this and 2010 have a character
1: that waltz into the story and then leave it and never come back. Yeah, but but this character belongs in this place in a way that the the next movie simply does not belong. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is uh, is, uh, Marble, Marble Rye Lady from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. uh on the who's kind of sitting in the apartment complex and she's sort of you know she's like a what two three generations back she was the right she was the the kind of east coast pioneer in that in her era <laughs> exactly. i mean it's so, like you you don't have to think about it like that but it enriches it if you do um i think know, it I
0: mean, enriches it even if you don't because yeah. i think it's one of those things that you it's sort of coded so even mm-hmm. if you don't consciously have the
1: thought, you have the feeling. Yeah, and again, we never, we never see her again, um, right? In, in the movie either. Um, so clearly, she's there for a reason. I mean, everything is there for a reason, but she's there for a specific reason because she's not going to factor into the story in any way. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I like, I like that idea of like, sort of Daniel sees, the journey he's just made. Yeah, and uh, I, you in a, know, in another person,
0: and because th- right now is my, you know, a line that I wrote down in my notes was the entire movie is easily coded. Yeah, it's like it's like an old western. The good guys, really, the bad you're guys. So right, you're so yeah. right.
1: That is that that is the that is the thing to know about this movie. It is it's visually and conceptually broad, mm-hmm. but the acting the writing and the direction within that is not subtle and nuanced yeah exactly that's kind of all you need to know about this movie is you're going to get rich versus poor you're going to get black right, exactly. versus white yeah 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 you're going to get tall versus short mm-hmm. that these like social class racial distinctions are going to be really amplified to the point where there's an italian kid covered in spaghetti at one point right, right? <laughs> exactly right but nonetheless, the yeah. but no one is playing... It's not cartoonish in execution. Well, and but not just within that, because there is
0: something within this movie that... Uh, I don't think I ever really realized it until this viewing. The one thing this movie seems to me to do so well, because there's so much of it that's naturalistic, like you're talking mm-hmm. about, yeah. uh, th- through the lens of the camera, through Avildsen and his directing, through performances... Yeah. And yet, it's heightened. It has the feel of melodrama. Mm-hmm. That's, such diff-
1: that's such a That's such a tightrope to walk. That's and so,
0: such a tightrope, and it does and probably it so why well.
1: They, and probably explains why they couldn't do it again. And I, I was going to say
0: that you only realize how well they do it once you watch the second movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, by the second movie, I mean 2010. Oh, okay. Th- well, that movie I, can't do it.
1: That movie can't do it, and and I and include the sequels in there. They they go off in. You're right. In one direction, you know, the Karate Kid Part Two is is kind of too naturalistic, too, mm-hmm. you know, slow and and storyless. And
0: three is very melodramatic.
1: And three and three is Victorian melodrama with a mustache yeah. quiddling villain. You know, <laughs> right, <laughs> um, Mr. Stingley from uh, Rent Two. Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> that is that is red to only exists in the symptoms unfortunately <laughs> yeah and i uh, uh, and added to that the way that the way that avilson directs actors or the way that he works with actors he he it's a kind of like a loose natural style because mm-hmm. you can you, you can draw a direct line from from stallone as rocky to ralph Daniel. yeah absolutely there i mean demographically they're very similar characters apart from age but they're they're sort of like you can you can see the same you can imagine the, the same kind of director directorial style through these two actors sure just keep it all very loose and natural lots mm-hmm. of uh you know off-the-cuff comments here and there They'll make it sound like it's scripted right Const, actors constantly moving doing business um and it's really interesting how daniel kind of takes on that that mantle yeah and i it, agree it's when you're introducing all these new characters it just it just it lifts everything
0: and i read something it makes ca- it seem
1: so fluid like he's like the matri- he's like a kind of maitre d' just kind of like hey who are you nice to see you go <laughs> yeah, right. hey you go, you you know it's like it just makes it all so e- easily go down
0: yeah i have a direct example that speaks to exactly what you're saying because i was reading about you know ralph macchio i think he was 22 when he made this movie and nobody believed he was 22 they all thought he was like 16 or something like that Mm -hmm. they would ask to see id but he himself didn't like the idea of product placement and there's a scene where he's drinking a Sprite with Mr. Miyagi, and he kept covering the logo of the Sprite. And they said, you can't do that. And so he finally...
1: This is an 80s movie, kid. We don't yeah, roll that
0: way. He, he finally uncovered it for just long enough for them to leave him alone. Yeah. And yet, within the moment, it all seems very natural and laid back and like just a kid drinking a soda. And so Absolutely. I have to think it speaks to exactly what you're talking about with John G. Avildsen talking to his actor. I understand you feel this way. There's this, this, and that, but we have this responsibility. So do this, and just also you know,
1: with, and and you you brought up the aging down um, because Elizabeth mm-hmm. Shue is 21 18, or 20. I think. Oh, okay. I thought she was even. older Oh no, older wait.
0: Than that. No, uh, she was older. I think it's uh, Zabka that was eighteen at the time. He was the only true teenager.
1: So yeah, I think she I was think- twenty. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's, she's playing a little down from that, but uh, I was really struck and we'll talk, you know, we'll talk about Elizabeth Shue in more detail later, but just to say I, I was struck. God, by I exactly, hope so. Exactly the same. Um, <laughs> and she know, <laughs> and I know why. Um, no, she's just
0: yeah. I think she's the first the first actor I ever truly fell in love with with uh, in a movie I,
1: you know if I'd have seen if, well I'd, I mean I'd have been one at the time but two at the time so <laughs> might have been a bit premature but uh had
0: this you take the cigar just, out of your mouth and lean over pretty yeah, odd's been you think? a
1: Formative movie for me I mean I fell in love with her even watching yeah. it this time. And she's so she's able to convincingly play a teenager while suggesting maturity beyond her years. Right. Beyond even the years of a 20-year-old. hmm Like, she's playing the part more maturely than you expect a 20-year-old to, but she's also aging down.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable. And believable. And believable. And Ralph yeah. McChul's Daniel is doing the same thing as well. Doing the same thing, right. Because he's he's got adult qualities that are beyond the years of even the actor. Mm-hmm. but he's also got to play down to the teenager and again a a real tightrope it can And when he does
0: it it's brilliant
1: it could just be grotesque if it doesn't work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um it's I and both of them I think pull pull that off and especially in their scenes together. Mhm. Yeah. They're, they're playing off they're playing off that style really well.
0: Well and I'll go to John G Avildsen again because the moment they see each other mm-hmm you know, he is able to make all of us fall in love with her the same way Daniel is. Just based on how he shoots it. And, you know... I'll... I mean, a lot of that has to do with her, too. Like, her just yeah. natural effervescence. No, it's
1: definitely... Sitting on that
0: beach, but... It's,
1: it's definitely... It's it's a it's, it's a, a team good...
0: effort through Ralph yeah. Macchio, through Abelson, through herself. It's Like, everybody's working on the same level to make us the audience fall in love with this character it's like she's the one
1: i'll even give the slow motion a pass it's, <laughs> it's that good you know because it's so obvious this is the thing like you know we're, I, I, I have historically disliked slow motion but if mm-hmm. it's appropriate i'll say if, if it's if it's an appropriate device in the movie i think it's perfectly justifiable and here's a great example of that it's obviously mm-hmm. Daniel's point of view that we're seeing. Yeah, right. So it makes sense that you would slow it down. You would slow the film down at that point. Um, so, you know, it's a. It even wins me. It even wins a slow motion um, skeptic <laughs> over. But again, like, you know, I'm just struck by how simultaneously obvious and subtle this movie is at the same time. I mean. There there's it's boys on the beach listening right. to the beach boys. <laughs> sure. That's as on their nose as you can get. But it's per it's perfect. It's it's just perfectly done. And and almost immediately so we we've already we've kind of introduce the regional distinctions between the characters. We've mm-hmm. seen Daniel's journey from New Jersey, so we know he's an outsider in a regional sense. And then immediately But again, which,
0: economy. Because it's Freddie that just says from the hills. And that's, that's all we I'm, need to know that's about exact, Allie.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, they're the what are the families in the Bonanza called? It's like they're the they're the Hatfields <laughs> we're the McCoys. The
0: Hatfields it's, McCoys, yeah, right. Go to go back
1: to your Western analogy. But but the, you know they're introducing the, the we've got regional distinctions between the characters then we've got the social class divisions between the characters and they're sharply they're sharply drawn early on yeah so that the, the canvas and yet it's but it's the, still Romeo and Juliet
0: drawn. right it's still Romeo and Juliet uh,
1: yeah i mean it, it's 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 age old timeless storytelling but yet very specific to this this place in this time with these right. people and mm-hmm. being able to manage both simultaneously is, is just, a um, an incredible achievement.
0: Right. And because it's never going to be, it's never going to truly be the parents standing in front of these kids saying you can't be together. It's going to be all, you know, it's, it's wrapped up more in clearly their eighties culture. Clearly
1: not Beijing parents then.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's going to be them standing in their own way. Uh, be- because of what they're going through in their own lives. So yep. what makes them stop? What makes them not walk down the hallway towards them? What makes them not talk to each other until they that. feel like they have to? So it's one of those things that, uh, again, it's like a black hole just sucks you in <laughs> to this couple and uh, their romance. It's
1: and great. Then, um, it is great. And we're, then we're introduced to Cobra Kai and, you know, Johnny Lawrence, who is the sort of uh, Jack Palance figure of this. I mean, I'm trying to make your Western analogy work. <laughs> Don't he feel set like you f- have to. No, okay. I, well, if it, he's kind of set <laughs> up as the heel, very clearly. But what right. strikes me in terms of Zabka's performance is, it reminds me he always played Johnny with a fierce intelligence. You always mm-hmm. felt there was more behind this character than than the the. the than he was being allowed to do within the confines of where of his archetype right yeah he's got to be the bad boy he's got to be the heel and yet you know the 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 seams keep showing again and again that he is multi-dimensional we're just not yeah. It's just because of the situation we we can't see it yet and then yeah. comes along cobra kai and then it's like five seasons of television <laughs> explore right. the, the very idea that you're left with at the end of this movie that there's more right. to Johnny Lawrence than we thought there was from watching the movie um, sure which is why they work so well together
0: and then but you there know, are like, little scenes peppered in this movie where where they do see them at golf and stuff and he's in his own car and all the friends are with him and he's showing no anchor right towards yeah. Daniel it's just like hey you want to come with us get in the car Allie.
1: exactly I mean the, yeah there's there's that. There's the the scene in the country club where he's sucking country, up to, the yeah, pet, yep. to the parents. There's of course the tur- the you know the the kind of redemption in the final scene with yeah. his reaction to Chris saying no mercy. His reaction to Daniel's win. So clearly, you know, it it they they're, they're trying to maintain the archetype that he is part of the the villainy mm-hmm. of this. And yet, they're leaving room for it to be a little more nuanced and complex here and there. And out of that, they built a TV series, basically. Yeah, that's and crazy. So I just think it's wonderful, and and it, it has to be Williams. You know, it has to be someone as on top of their performance as Williams Zapka To uh, yeah, as he is, yeah. Um, and you know, we're like five minutes into the movie, karate. <laughs> we talked about <laughs> this when we did I the know. sequels. <laughs> We have to wait so long to get any karate, <laughs> and this movie is just kind of like gently sprinkling karate across throughout, th- throughout. Yeah. Like, what? This? Why is this so hard? <laughs> it's like literally, you know, a few a few karate kicks at this point. But you know, right. the movie's called Karate Kid. It's like, oh, there's the first Karate in Karate Kid, right? So I just don't understand why they, they don't think of doing this again and if and i know it's an unfair comparison because cobra kai is a tv series but it feels like cobra kai understands this as well like it can't just be like one episode at the end where all the karate is done happens it has to be sort of like sporadically appearing throughout for the genre that you're in
0: sure well uh should we take a fake break
1: yeah absolutely yeah all right we'll have uh, two or 15 minutes to return Right. Depending on which movie, which (laughs) corrosion of the Karate Kid you want to talk about.
0: But you all listening are the best
1: around.
0: (laughs) We'll be right back. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here and we're talking the original Karate Kid.
1: Nothing's ever going to keep us down.
0: No. (laughs) Not while we're talking about this film.
1: And so, you know,
0: bottom line, I think for both of us is obvious, like, this movie just holds up.
1: It's, It's interesting for me because this is a movie that I don't remember sitting down and watching from beginning to end many times in my life. I can remember mm. catching it on TV and watching it as kind of a strip where I'd see certain, you know, like certain Parts. scenes uh, again and again or just, yeah, just see, see it in fragments. So sitting down and watching it as a, as a you know, as a coherent piece of art, uh, not for the first time, but. You know, not with not many previous viewings. the The artfulness of it really struck me. Like it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly it's a great piece of entertainment as well. Yeah, it's you know it's a whiz bang sports movie. It works on that level, but there's so much more going on, and it's a character piece. Yeah,
0: that's what. So I think that's you know part of the magic potion for this movie. I I think. John G. Avildsen really layered this movie in a way. You know, we ask ourselves often, why is a movie good? Mm. This movie has something to offer everyone. And I think that's part of it. If you're just looking for the sports part of this movie, you're going to get that. If you care more beyond sports, you're going to get that. If you want, you know, something, if you can, if you study film I think yeah. you'll find something beyond that. You know, well, there is nuance within this movie, and there are layers that, that make it interesting.
1: Speaking to that very point, like uh, on a as a as a martial arts movie, I think this is a this is a significant moment in in the genre mm. because you know martial arts has been gradually breaking through in Western cinema um, since the the mid '60s. The the first um, the first kind of considered, in the 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 first, aff- supposedly official instance of martial arts in an American movie is bad bad day of- in Black Rock, Spencer mm-hmm. Tracy movie where he does some kung fu on his uh, um, adversary. So that's sixty five. Now it's kind of mainstream to the point where it's in a high school movie now.
0: Yeah, right. Like yeah.
1: We, can, we, we can we can we can graft it onto that, John. That uh Hollywood movie genre.
0: So <laughs> we can we can mix it with Fast Times at Ridgemont High exa- or Breakfast Club. And that's yeah.
1: clearly what's going on here and right. and I don't think it had been an attempted before and there's probably a lot of instances of it since.
0: Yeah. At, you know, so after after that beach scene, he has to go to <laughs> high school. I, I made a note that there's a there's a sign there's a, a plaque on the school that says truth, liberty, and toleration, and I I wrote these people don't know what high schools like.
1: <laughs> Nor do they. None under- of that's
0: going on.
1: Nor do they understand the English language. I don't think toleration is a word, is it? Isn't it tolerance? <laughs> I think you're right. Here's a question. I here's a question I have for you, and you might be able to answer it. Be, um, being someone who you were you were, were you around the same ages. Daniel, when this came, were you a teenager when this came out? Yeah. Um, why soccer and not American mm. football? Was there a soccer boom in this period? Was it just so that you could have women and men playing together on the? No, I-
0: yeah, I don't, I, uh, I, I, fair question. I ne- I, but the funny thing is, is. To this day, I'll watch soccer if it's the World Cup, Mm. but I've never been as big a fan of soccer as I am of other sports. But it's funny that you brought that up because I I never thought of that myself. I never thought, why soccer? Why aren't you playing something I like, like football? Like the character plays soccer, whatever, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So
1: and I, you know, I know, and I know it's it's more of a co-ed sport in America, but I, it, it still doesn't really explain why we never. We, this is the only game we see them play apart from karate, if you want to call that a game. But yeah, at some at some level it is. Um, and uh, hmm. we, well, we've already been introduced to Mr. Miyagi. We see him trying to catch flies well, with a chopstick. Yeah, early, I mean, earlier can on I just... in the movie. And then...
0: Can I take a moment just to say, because you said <laughs> we've already met Mr. Miyagi, and once again, you know, you and I are watching a 1980s movie, and generally speaking, I think the 80s are pretty derided as a as a decade for movies. Uh, yeah, I, you're probably right. And yet I'm watching another 1980s movie in which 23 minutes in, I write down, you know, this script is... You know, got a clockwork aspect to it because I've I've met all the characters I need to yeah. met to meet. I know the essential essence of who they are, and I know where. You know, I I have like I said, the movie's coded, mm-hmm. so I have a code map for where this movie is going to go. I don't know everything that's going to happen in the movie, but I know who's who and what's yep. what, and a, set- you know, I I have a general, you know. I'm pointing north. I have a way, a, a, a place to go.
1: Yeah, it set out its stalls very early on. Yeah. For for the rest of the movie, and you. But we know... keep
0: coming back to this again and again for movies from the '80s. So well,
1: yeah, I. I, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like you know an old man yelling at a cloud, but I think there was a <laughs> I think there was a greater respect for the the classical art of, of storytelling in this yeah. period, where these. You know, being being a movie that that establishes story and setting is still has a kind of premium it doesn't have now in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You also know it's a movie from the eighties because Miyagi is introduced like a human Yoda. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like he's it's exactly the same as Yoda, Yoda's introduction in Empire Strikes Back. He's sort of play he's playing this buffoonish like character. Before sure. he reveals that he is a he is a master of martial arts right um so and then of course like t- to your point about the the way that the tensions and conflicts are so well established as soon as we've kind of met miyagi and we know what he's about we're going to meet crease yeah and you know
0: i want to say i talked about this in a previous episode Because, again, it's the economy of storytelling, this idea that, you you know, in the the sequels, that's one of the things I love about Cobra Kai and the sequels, these characters are making just batshit crazy choices. (laughs) It's it's
1: revealed that many of them are on coke. Yeah, the, <laughs> the
0: show manages to sum them up by just saying they were on
1: cocaine,
0: which is brilliant.
1: But... best explanation you've ever heard. That's so amazing. For a, for a bad 80s sequel character behavior. <laughs> yeah, cocaine. Let's move but on. But
0: <laughs> when we're introduced to Crease, we're going to watch Daniel walk into his dojo and he's going to look at a picture on the wall and it's crease in the army. Yeah. You know, you know, the guy was in Vietnam. We have, every, we have all the information we need, yeah. basically from Rambo, what it was like to be in Vietnam. And so all of a sudden we have an explanation for why this guy is like he is. And again, like you said, never talked about. It. There's no dialogue about no. it. It's just all coded. It's all just like with one shot, Abelson, he tells us everything we need to know about this character and why he's doing what he's doing.
1: And without, and without him... Fucking love it. Without him ever talking about it, we also understand the Cobra Kai method of karate.
0: Yeah, right.
1: It's it's uh, it's Reaganized karate, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's <laughs> it's been it's been militarized, right? And it also encourages you know, greed and inequality. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of saying that, you know, if you're five on one, that's okay. Don't worry about <laughs> fairness. If there's more of you than them, that's just the way of the world. That's just nature. They're probably um, taking
0: up a collection for the Contras.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, economy of story, of visual storytelling, once again, um, Dan, the the amazing one shot where Daniel's in the restaurant where his mother works... Yeah. and we see in the same shot through the glass window Cobra Kai in the background realizing it's him, and you know doing the the, the kid lim- running
0: away to go get the other guys. Yeah, it's
1: like it, they do their '80s kids, you know '80s person, evil their person henchman scheming. plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is all done in one in one continuous shot.
0: You yeah. know,
1: u- utilizing foreground and background to the fullest. By the way, at this point, we haven't spoken about Daniel's mother. She's already changed jobs. Yeah, she lost her job. And I just, that is such a John G. Abelson touch. I don't think I
0: ever realized that really consciously. Yeah. Until I
1: watched it for this episode, for the, you know. Yeah. Well, she she was working for Rocket's Computers. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. So, you know, she
0: got. And I think there was supposed to be a scene. I don't know if they ever filmed it. I think they did film it, but cut it out. That she was walking past that restaurant and somebody came out. Well, I quit, I quit, I quit. And she's like, Well, I could get a job here. Yeah, I, I mean kind that, of waltzed in and got the job.
1: And that's the great part, is that that it you get the information across, but you don't actually need to see a scene in which this happens.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And and added to that is John G. Avelson's, you know, he he's got this thing about you know, all his characters need to be put through some kind of socio-economic ringer.
0: Yeah, through the ringer. Yeah, exactly. and this
1: is, this is this is this is all happened off screen, thankfully. Uh-huh. But we've got we've got the same thing here, where it's like, you know, it it makes more narrative sense for the mother just to be keep keep the same job. But you half you have it expect to hear sacrifices the realism in some respects. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: You half expect to hear Pauly say, "Well, I thought those computers were going to be great. It's not my fault," and burst out the door.
1: Yeah, but it, you know, again, it's that ba- that balance that this movie has to be able to sort of pay pay that um, amount of attention to these yeah. socially realist details, and yet. E- be economical enough to go this doesn't need to be on screen we just need to we just need to make it clear that it's happened mm-hmm. um because it doesn't affect the overall story she's kind of she's she's gone from one job to another and she even talks about this being a better job a better opportunity um and you know obviously we know what's going to happen with the tech wave so yeah um, it's i just think it's it's a it's a really interesting touch Handled in a way that doesn't jumble anything up, and and Avelson didn't learn his lesson here because in the next couple of films, it's full of moments like this, but they're they're like a big part, a bigger part of the film, of the
0: storyline. This is yeah. this is
1: just this is just good background, right? Um,
0: well, and speaking of background, it's funny because, you know, in the next scene, of course, Daniel is riding his bike home and gets pushed off a cliff, right. So he tumbles and he's injured and he's got, you know, rash, road rat, rash across his forehead. Yeah. And when we see him next, he's, you know, it's one of those moments where he is having a perfect high school angry kid freak out. Yeah. At his bike. He's, you know, I hate this bike. I hate this fucking bike. I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. and he's throwing it away in the trash and he has this huge, great fight between he and his mom. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to re- reveal too much about 2010 yet, but you know, there's lots of identical scenes yes. between these two movies, and every single time they choose to do that, the 84 scene is a better scene.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there, I think there's specific reasons for that, which we'll get into in the next. Yeah, but
0: I, you know, I think it has to do with script, with Abelson, and even with the actors,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's all working in a way in which you know, basically it's for the button. It's, it's kind you know, it's all working towards Miyagi just walking out the door.
1: Mm-hmm. Having and, yeah, eavesdropping. And,
0: uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But us kind of getting like a total creep, Uh, but you don't get, you never get that sense of, of a creep vibe. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's no. So because he's going, we know by the next morning, he's going to fix that bike and lay it out for Daniel. Uh, you know what it is 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 this offering, this gesture of friendship. Yeah, doesn't happen in twenty ten, and, and the fights similar, but yeah, that part of it is absent, and mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons it doesn't work. But
1: there's also a great line in in this scene that really stood out to me, where Daniel says, "I don't understand the rules here, and I want to go home." Yeah, and it I get you know, like th- it reminded me, it's like, oh, this is a movie about. Outsiders yeah, about people who are excluded from uh the society that they live in the like the their right. you know they're excluded from their surroundings
0: well, not just that because that line stuck out to me, but so did the fairness aspect of that line where he says, oh like it was really fair that you didn't ask me, yeah, what I thought about coming here and I just love. That the actor, that his mom takes the moment to to like take in what he says, and there's a pause, and she says, "You're right." Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. And that's from a a 1980s movie. And 1980s movies that represent parents and our parents were always kind of the parents that said, "Because I said so." Mm -hmm. And so to see a parent that would say that like listen to their child and said, "You're right," and I'm you know I am sorry and then kind of walk away in each other's arms, like, you know, her arm around him, and, like, it's going to get better,
1: it'll be okay, I'm your mom, I'm here. It's, it's. I mean, you know, it's like a, at a time when the idea of permissive parenting is getting a bad rap in the media, and it's been weaponized by Reagan to attack, Mm -hmm. you know, the welfare class. It's really interesting that here, we see the positive benefits of permissive parenting. Yeah. Of that, that sort of, you know, It's kind of a cliche now of, you know, the parents used to let their children just run wild and, and, you know, be outdoors all day. And, and, you know, modern parenting uh, wouldn't dream of doing that. You know, it's based on the helicopter principle of constantly monitoring, hovering over your child. Um, And so I love that that here's an 80s movie that's sort of kind of fighting back against that rhetoric a little bit and sort of saying, you know, it's like just because this is a hands-off parent, doesn't mean they're any less capable. Right. Um and th- that also that also helps you that also helps you swallow the pill of of how most his <laughs> mother just lets Daniel go off with this small middle-aged Japanese man yeah. who they just <laughs> well, <met. laughs>
0: obviously obviously once Miyagi gets more involved in the story, we'll talk about the 80s sort of fetishness with young teenage boys being the friends of middle aged men yeah. which we've encountered before with the Back to the Future series.
1: That's right. Same year as well. Yeah. Well
0: I think that's the next this year, eighty five.
1: Stellar year for, for, for inter intergenerational friendships.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> it's, there's there's something there's something in the water, as they say, in yeah. regards to that line of storytelling. But uh what I was gonna say was, you know, Growing up as one of those kids, one of those kids that say in the summer hmm. you could leave the house at 9 10 a.m. and not come back until the sun was setting, and that was kind of the rule, yeah. <laughs> like, be back when the sun sets or be like back that for when dinner,
1: I was growing up. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, um, but it's it's sort of interesting, like, she's an absentee parent, but it doesn't have the negative connotations of some of the right. other movies of this period, like you know. the halloween movies you know where the parents just abandon their children to their death every halloween until they're (laughs) until they're finally dead (laughs) and it's interesting you brought up about like everyone's having to sort of everyone has like an acting challenge they have to play something they're not whether that's in terms of age and what you said about Mm -hmm. pat Morita having to having being like a fluent english speaking person right. having to think how someone who wasn't a fluent english speaker would speak but you know my, miyagi's and that leads to a, like a lot of a lot of clipped dialogue and a lot of one word answers mm-hmm. and the, you know that the dialogue is there to show that english english isn't his first language but you're also like nothing's missing no right, exactly all dialogue potentially could be this if you wanted it to be right it would it would it would communicate the same message sure <laughs> and even though you know obviously like they even though they're working against it he's Miyagi's still surrounded by a certain Eastern mysticism you know that that stereotype is still there but yeah it's got I mean it's extreme but it's also
0: disarmed
1: it's disarmed because be- yeah. because of
0: who he is because yeah. of the character himself because he's so charming because he's funny you know because i don't know there's just lots of inherent qualities within miyagi that disarm that fairly easily i think too
1: and how many times before this movie have we seen an uh, an interracial surrogate parent yeah right and a ja- and of japanese descent you know, Japanese pe- people, Japanese community being one of the most derided mm-hmm. um, ethnicities in Hollywood cinema since World War Two. Of course. And this is, you know, I mean, it's it's 40. It's like four decades later, but that racism is still there. It's even referred well, it's funny to, it's, because, it's referred yeah, because... to in this movie.
0: Well, that's one of the things about this movie, too, because, you know, we got to a certain point in the movie where I thought. I couldn't remember, you know, it'd been I don't know how long it's been since I last saw it, but not, you know, it had been long enough that I forgot all about Darkman's Larry Drake, (laughs) because right when I got to the point where I thought there's not a there's not a scene in which Miyagi has to take on racism in a terrible, terrible way. And then the moment happened, (laughs) you know, right then it literally happened. And
1: they even call him, you know, they call him Mr. Moto. I mean, so that's that's like directly referring back to Hollywood's misrepresentation of Japanese people. So I do think that this film has a point to make about this. Mm -hmm. And then later on in the movie, what it does with the issue of internment, I mean, you you're not you're not only you're like you look back at it now and you're not even thinking oh that must have been progressive for the times 10 15 years later America's still grappling with the same question it's it's 10 years right. after this that clinton makes the first ever public apology for what happened right. to the japanese during world war 2 so this is not like this is not progressive for the times this is a breakthrough moment of representation
0: and it it goes beyond because he he was the character was in internment camps, but he was also in the military. Exactly, and yeah. if you know enough about the the squadron that he was in, mm-hmm. it's literally the most decorated squadron right. in the history of the military. I I've believe.
1: seen the next Karate Kid. Okay, you don't have to explain <laughs> it to me. <laughs> I actually figured it out from this movie without being told that as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> No, you, but I'm just saying, yeah. like
0: they're taking they're taking care. They're t- you know they're 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 being very conscious about what they're doing with this character. I think
1: in that that scene, and we can talk about it in more detail later. But that scene to me is like it's critical race theory in a piece of pop culture. Mm-hmm. It's what you know, crazy conservatives are so afraid of. Right, like someone actually in in a big Hollywood movie standing up and saying hey, what we did then was shitty.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It was it was wrong.
1: And you know what? Nobody died. The yeah. society didn't collapse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everyone just left the theater knowing a little bit more about their own history. No, no, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, well, and now Daniel's yeah. going to go to the Halloween dance. I might note also, uh, all the way back in 1984... Watching him, uh, wear a Chargers jersey with the number eighty-nine, Wes Chandler, always made me very happy. I'm sure okay. he could could give a shit.
1: <laughs> well, but, but has that has that gone full circle now that they're they're an LA team again? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I I, I would have thought that the that, as a Chargers fan that would have depressed you to see to see that. No.
0: Oh no. I mean, I've I've had my own journey with the San Diego Chargers becoming the Los Angeles Chargers.
1: Okay.
0: Where at first I thought fuck them and then they they drafted a receiver that was really good, so I and I remember saying to myself, "Yay!" and then I thought, "Ah, fuck, I still care." So I still care about the Chargers.
1: So so does Miyagi support the Chargers from from LA or like what's the does that I don't. I don't
0: know. Well, Daniel's wearing the shirt. I don't know oh, what's possessing okay. Daniel, a kid from New Jersey, to wear a Chargers jersey. He's probably well. You'd think he'd be wearing the Giants, but
1: probably Ralph Macchio's um, covering up some other hot, terrible product placement that's on his shirt. Maybe <laughs> he just picked up whatever, <laughs> just like the boom, the boom operator's uh, Chargers jersey. Yeah, one one of the kind of. Uh, I think I think mostly this movie kind of grains against the Reagan mentality, uh, very much mm. so in terms of Cobra Kai. But it was kind of funny to me that you know it had these the movie had these kind of 80s isms of like smoking a joint is bad, you mm-hmm. know, uh, bullying and drugs is bad, and I was just like, yeah, right. Nancy, N- Nancy Reagan would like those aspects of the movie. <laughs> right. We also get the first but black Spider Man in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pipped Miles Morales to the, to the there post you go. for by about 30, 40 years. <laughs> hey, Johnny, what's up? And then later on, yeah, and then later on, um, uh, Miyagi is called Spider-Man. Daniel calls him Spider-Man as well after he mm-hmm. does this, um, after he beats up Cobra Kai. Well, and so I want
0: to kind of talk about that whole thing Mm-hmm from the John G. Avildsen side of it because he is able to do things. And it's funny because I, I would have thought the music changed to change the tone. Yeah. But, you know, Daniel, he he puts the hose on Johnny. He starts running. Mm. And Allie's going to trip Johnny and all his cohorts onto the floor. And in that moment, it's the sort of, you know, da 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 like, you know, the, the hero is uh, getting mm-hmm. one over on the villain. No
1: one no one can be happy for that long in a John G. Abelson movie.
0: <laughs> exactly. But what's remarkable is you know, you know, Daniel gets outside the door and it's all one shot, like yeah. a kinda a high crane shot of watching Daniel run away and watching all those guys chase him down the street. And it goes from exciting to dread. Yeah, really quickly, like Mm -hmm. the sense of danger that Daniel is in.
1: Yeah.
0: And I always want him to get over that fence and he just never does, you know. And then, of course, Miyagi saves the day. But I want to point out, in contrast to what we're going to talk about next, he saves the day in about 15 seconds, like no longer than that. It's over in 15 seconds.
1: And again, keeps the flow of karate through the film, right where it should be. Where 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 it should be. It's also, I mean, at this point, and if you've never, you know, if you've never seen the, the film before, and if you if you didn't start by watching the sequels, as only we did, um, <laughs> this is a this is a plot twist, right? We don't know yeah, that Maggie's right. capable of this.
0: Well, I think we know, or we have the sense of it, but Daniel definitely doesn't know.
1: Well, yeah, I think the audience still at this point. I mean, you probably walk into the theater knowing it. Yeah, I guess so. And I guess if you've seen Empire Strikes Back you know where it's going. Um, (laughs) Right. It it also struck me that it's necessary narrative information because if you didn't reveal that Miyagi knew karate at this point, then everything he does in his training, from this point (laughs) onwards, you would just assume it's a con man looking for cheap labor. Well, you would. No, but right. If you don't have, the, if if you don't demonstrate that he can actually do karate, like about you know ten minutes into the training, you'd be like, wait a minute, is this guy just? What the fuck is going on here? To do, to paint his fence and wash his cards. <laughs> and uh, you know this is when when he gets Daniel back to the to the um. I don't know we call it his his. Boiler, his not his non-Freddy Krueger boiler room. It's not
0: Freddy Krueger boiler room. <laughs> um, another
1: 1984 uh, movie. Um, yeah, this is where he has the conversation where you know he tries to find out what Daniel knows about karate and um, you know says you've been watching too much TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's like it's really trying to give give an, an an authentic account of of the history of karate in this movie. Um, but at the well, same I, time, but... keeping distance from from that—that's where you get the the J.C. Penny belt line,
0: right? So, and that's one of the things you know that this movie does so well. Uh, this the movie disarms you mm. often through Miyagi, yeah, as he's disarming Daniel. Do you
1: know what also struck me that was really powerful and just. Isn't the case, or isn't enough of the case in most movies about teachers and parents, teachers and students, is mm. it's a two way street. Yeah, you know, Daniel has to convince Miyagi to advocate for him. So this is what he I was just going to say because to bring Daniel brings Miyagi out of his shell. Um, that aspect
0: of it yeah. really surprised me in this viewing because I didn't really exactly remember that. And, it and I was just going to say normal, that his initial yeah. turning him down was handled and executed in a way that... Because, again, at least from Miyagi's side, there's no dialogue speaking to it. He's just watching this kid angrily walk mm-hmm. away from him and wonder... Because, c- you know, he's so angry in a teenage-type way, like, you're abandoning me, fuck you, I'm leaving, kind of way that makes Miyagi change his mind. And so to your point they you know it becomes this it's the point where they come together yeah kind of as one coach and student and again it was a really nuanced moment that i didn't expect for you know from a movie that i knew was more nuanced than i think you know people initially uh, ever gave it credit for
1: yeah absolutely
0: and it's such a great you know moment within that scene
1: and speaking of nuances, I think it's great how Daniel pronounces the Italian "G" in Miyagi's name. He keeps calling mm-hmm. him Miyagi, and he keeps correcting yeah. him. And that's just such a nice way to say that you know there are cultural and ethnic differences between the two, right? Without you know, but not
0: a hit- judgment. Today, no, not, today, not Daniel would the, yeah. Daniel would be getting messages on. <laughs> on social media, talking about what a monster he is because he can't learn someone's name as but opposed th- to.
1: But that's again, that's where that's where Cobra Kai comes in and fills that vacuum. Because, yeah, right. Because there's nothing in this movie, and and why would there be? They wouldn't. They wouldn't even probably entertain the notion that what Daniel is doing is cultural appropriation. But of course, you've mm-hmm. got that storyline in Cobra Kai where he puts a he puts Miyagi Do on YouTube and of course right. the comments start coming in and he becomes he gets canceled on <laughs> the basis of it yeah. <laughs> um so it, they left a space for that discussion elsewhere right uh you 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 can tell i mean you can tell that it's still the early 1980s um so we're still dealing with stereotypes of asian driving um yeah and uh, well it basically it's kind of pan immigrant driving, isn't it? Because it's sort of like <laughs> neither Daniel nor Miyagi can drive. And to me that's yeah, based on a know, stere- the... based on an old racist stereotype, I think.
0: Yeah, again the movie I think disarms you with that because of how charming Pat Marita is. Yeah. You know I don't know
1: why he owns so many classic cars when he can't really drive.
0: <laughs> well he could drive, I think. He just doesn't drive well and he doesn't have a license. There
1: you go. <laughs>
0: Why don't we take another fake break? All right. All right. We'll do that, and we'll come right back, everybody. Right after this. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here once again, finishing up with The Karate Kid. All right, where were we, Tom? Um, well, they're about to strike the deal, right? They're gonna yeah. go to Cobra Kai, and mm-hmm.
1: that's where we are. Um, they're gonna
0: strike a deal with uh, Kreese and Johnny.
1: What really struck me about this scene again was the direction uh, that that long single take that Allden uses mm-hmm. to show the um, uh, the combat. Yeah. Um, in in the Cobra Kai class, and that's why it's like. It reminded me, it made me think this is, in some aspects, more of a 70s movie than an 80s movie. Like, we was... talk
0: about that a lot. We do. But, but, but this is further down the line, too, because this is, you know, we're, we're approaching mid-80s. I
1: know. And yet, it's, I mean, first of all, I, just, I think it's an overall good choice because when you film sports events, you want to get a sense of the live quality of them. And there's no yeah. better way of doing that by not cutting. Right. That's the easiest way to do it and it's very very effective here. You see the whole um you know, you see the 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 whole match in one shot and uh, like un, without any editing and right. I just think it's I think it's really good but again it has that grittiness of a 70s film where you know Yeah, we, you we know,
0: I, that was one of the things that surprised me about this movie because you can it has that kind of grainy quality. Yeah the film itself of a late 70s movie
1: and certainly the uh, the the ideals of a director who was born out of the 70s yeah right um but you know a, also a very 80s subject matter and script <laughs> right um but it works you know it's it's uh i think i think if you tried to contemporize the look and feel of it Mhm. Um it it would date much more than than it has. Maybe. Kind of keeping it in a I I think movies from the from the 70s look far more timeless than movies from the 80s in terms of style. Yeah. And so this this movie benefits from having a director who is not flashy who do, who doesn't nece- who doesn't edit for the sake of it. Um uh, mm-hmm. who doesn't want to kind of dress up the movie even though it's a you know uh high school movie essentially he's not yeah right he's not leaning into that di- directorially and um i think that that kind of solidity is what keeps us coming back to it in some respects
0: yeah i like the button on that scene too when he, when miyaki says i just saved you two months of beating
1: yeah yeah it's uh <laughs> it's, re- it's 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 really yeah it's really it's a i mean it's a great. And again, it's very on the nose, the contrast between him and Crease. They literally yeah, right. could not be more different. Right. <laughs> whichever whichever way you wanna categorize it. Um, but the the fact this is it, the movie needs that. It needs it you need to know who's on what side when. Sure. And uh
0: 'Cause at its just, heart, it's still I'm, a sports I'm, I'm, movie. I'm sh-
1: like when 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 that stuff works, it's magic.
0: Right. Yeah, right.
1: And it works here.
0: Now, uh when we get into our next scene, is this your do you so do you still have a big beef with Miyagi?
1: Oh, you mean the, the training? Yeah, training. No, wax I mean, on, wax off, and sand yeah, I mean, sand the floor. It's I've got more to say about it in the context of the next movie because I think I think uh the reboot does more harm in trying to address the child labor implications. <laughs> I like the fact that we don't we don't get into that. Um and it's just it's sort of left as a subtext that can be explored later in, in uh All right, in Cobra fine. but to is, me it's it, pretty it is...
0: straightforward. It's muscle memory He's teaching them to do something that you yeah, know ends not up only, helping him.
1: It's not the only activity that can build muscle memory. <laughs> it's suspicious how every training technique involves manual labor that that Miyagi is then spared. Better's his home. Yes, <laughs> better's his home, and say it spares raises him from his doing property it. value. <laughs> yeah. It, it's also it makes out that this is the only way that these karate moves can be learned. I was like there's literally hundreds activity of activities that, that you could <laughs> you could teach him this this method with. See, but I think
0: I think part of the magic of it too, and because the moment happens in the next film too, the one thing I do like about it is that it seems to take as long as it takes for the student to say, this is bullshit, I'm fucking leaving for the teacher to say let me show you why it's not bullshit
2: Hmm.
0: and i think that's part of it i think that defiance is part of it you know and i like that aspect of it
1: yeah it's i was also i I was surprised to see it kind of in the in the middle of it this the magic arm release i completely forgotten about this like well, and even, I was just going to say... In the most, even in a supposedly authentic portrayal of what karate is, it sometimes still gets confused with just magic. <laughs> and, of course, this is laying the groundwork for the final scene where... For the his, final like, scene, that's what his, his, I was like, going to say. So It's, it's like the car
0: jump-starting, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's it's a one single moment that you see before, but it's there for a pre- specific reason story-wise later. And once character driven and one's narrative driven yeah i like that
1: i i so i so like i don't think it really it it doesn't kind of fit with the overall philosophy of what we're doing here it's a it's a magic shortcut it's a it's a deus ex machina but you know uh it's also it's sort of like predicated on our ignorance of karate because you could turn around Mm -hmm. and go well who's to say you can't do this but this isn't a this isn't a technique that they use in in the east maybe it right. comes from Okinawa um there's a moment later on in this movie which plays to that exact same tension
0: the other thing I like about it is that you just spoke to the idea of the mysticism of karate mm. and this demystifies it you know it's that idea of of connecting it to something as simple as manual labor
1: but that's what i mean in terms of it graining against you know the the magic arm release is sort of like yeah don't worry about that that's just you know that that you know how i said that it's (laughs) it's not mystical well this tiny bit is because it's gonna pay (laughs) off later yeah right so but you know i don't i i think there are there are parts of this movie that are that are idealistic and utopian like that and Mhm that's fine. <laughs> no I I mean I think it, like it doesn't bump me at all but when you break okay. it down it does stand out as as kind of against the grain of what we're saying about karate for the rest of the movie. All right yeah but they but you know they they're obviously I don't know that it's is the arm release karate though. No it's just a bit of but it's not explained so it's just like yeah, it's right. just magic it's just um it's just a it's just a catalyst <laughs> and it's only being introduced now is cuz it's going to pay off narratively later sure but it just it it sort of, it's so stood out to me in it just because they are making such a big deal of trying to demystify karate and this remystifies it for for a minute mm-hmm. so that they can do the ending of the movie <laughs>
0: Very good, then. I, I think that, for me, I guess I, I, I think of it...
1: It's not a know, criticism, in... but but it, it's, you, I, I yeah. You yeah, yeah fold, I, like it, you I guess I'm on the, the same the page as you, because, yeah, it, it,
0: it, it doesn't bump me at no. all. But it's not uh, consistent
1: with the fabric of the movie as it's been established so far.
0: Yeah. To me, I always thought of it more as, you know, an acupressure, acupuncture kind of a... But that's what I you mean know, he, about the ignorance thing, die.
1: isn't it? That's sort of like yeah, right. it's like if you don't know how they do it, then they can literally do anything. Well that can get yeah, you out sure. of a lot of narrative narrative rabbit holes. Sure. And then then they're back at the beach. Yeah. Learning balance in the waves, making use of that California landscape once again. And as, mm-hmm. as again, like using using the landscape around you to kind of create the the movie. And that's a, that's a message that Karate Kid two thousand and ten did not get.
0: Did not, yeah, exactly. yeah. Everything
1: is done in absence of where in spite of where they are. This movie mm-hmm. is about where they are, and what that means, and the landscape around them. That's part of the story. Sure. And I don't know. I was the next movie, and maybe even reboots in general treat the milieu that the film is set in as completely irrelevant to the story you're telling, but that's a discussion for another time
0: yeah 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 we'll talk about it later <laughs>
1: um I really I thought there was a real missed opportunity here to scoop Star Wars always a bigger fish <laughs> when uh when Miyagi says someone always knows more right I was just like ah oh. could have had him fishing because like fishes that we could have had him fishing and and doing the bigger <laughs> fish but now you had to wait for Phantom Menace for that.
0: Terrible line. We'll get to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we're but yeah, go go on. What do, what do you? I I do
0: uh, well. I think earlier we brought up Larry Drake in the you know the the movie's one moment of clear racism in the in the film. But just as a little side note. I had to pause the film to figure out why I was seeing the current logo of the Washington Nationals hat for a team that did not exist in 1984. And then it turned out that there was the Washington uh, Senators Wow. that was a baseball team. And they had this exact same logo. But it really freaked me out for a second that this movie was being ever so prescient about, about a future baseball team. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah. I thought I fell into a wormhole.
1: Speaking of racism, Daniel is covered in spaghetti. True. No, and you know, it's... But you know what's Well, great... but that's a
0: little later, because first we have the golf and stuff date, the, the oh, first date.
1: we do? I yeah. thought we'd done I thought we'd done that already. Okay.
0: I uh, don't think so. And this is one of my moments that I was, I think, speaking to earlier about the subtlety of the writing in the film, because there is that moment where Johnny and the friends show up in the car mm-hmm. and she says, I don't want to go. And so you get that, that real serious class distinction between the two of them Yeah. when they're talking about anything but that. And I love that portion of it where he says, you know, you could go if you wanted. Mm-hmm, and she mm-hmm. says, well, I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, it doesn't matter to me. And all of that has to do with class, yeah. but none of that is being spoken. I thought it was so great.
1: Yeah, it. I mean, it also made me think... And this
0: movie's about, you know, sorry, but this movie's able to talk about class yeah. without ever mentioning it once. Real, I mean, n- not more directly than She's From the Hills.
1: Right. And it's, inter- it's sort of interesting what, in terms of uh, race and ethnicity, what Daniel stands in for, because conspicuously absent from this film, especially for a film set, in this part of the world, is a Hispanic mm-hmm. or Black community. Like we just don't see them, but Dan right. Daniel is their representative,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like an an imperfect one. But that's basically what the movie's telling us: it's it's black hair and brown skin versus blonde blonde hair and pale white skin, right? Um, and of course, you know that's what the genius of Cobra Kai is that that what what they what this movie leaves out in terms of representation. Cobra Kai puts back in. Right. Because it it it's feeding off the movie's interests with race yeah. and ethnicity but doing it in a way that's actually diverse and representative. Mm-hmm. Um and I even think that he And just
0: more direct.
1: Yeah, more direct, you know, more um more conducive to the times that we live in. Um yeah. I I think this pass I've I've noted this passing cars moment of what as well and again this is a moment where I, I thought of the movie through the lens of Cobra Kai, and I thought, "What a masterstroke!" To by the time we get to Cobra Kai, Johnny and uh, Daniel have swapped social swapped economic roles. Status. It's
0: a, it's amazing, yeah. and I don't
1: know if there's an exact um, like a, an exact equivalent of this shot, but it immediately made me think of when of the of the pilot of Cobra Kai, where where Johnny Lawrence's... uh his car's all smashed up, and it ends up in Daniel's garage, and Daniel's there, and he bumps into him for the first time. Right. And they they you know they see each other after so many years, and and they are the literal opposite of of what they were in of terms what of what they are in this film. In, yeah, in this in this exact moment. Um,
0: well, and the other thing that show does that's so brilliant is. You know that the idea of the Ed Asner character.
1: At Asner, right? Mm, oh, absolutely, yeah. One of his last yeah. roles. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And just the idea that he wasn't his father, he was a stepfather and mm-hmm. could give a shit about him. and But that's where the money came from. And so he, you know, the idea that this character could use it to his advantage yeah. in 1984, but not want anything to do with it in 2018 or whenever we started with Cobra Kai. Yeah. Yeah, that's great.
1: Like you know, the the unintended or you know intended, but don't give a shit um, outcome of Reagan's America, isn't it? The, the white yeah, right. The, the white middle class or the white upper middle class get hit just as badly as as the as, sure. the, as the ethnic poor, and you know, with all end and then you know, America just starts to backslide into poverty from right. from all ends. Um, speaking of which. Country club, <laughs> yeah. I again, again. This is this is speaking to your point. It's all about class, yeah. But no one says a word about it about the subject. Daniel looking in through the kitchen. First of all, entering by the yes. kitchen door.
0: Entering by the kitchen, you know that shot talk of him about... looking
1: at the country club through the kitchen door. Yeah, I mean, it's just it tells you everything about. About everyone's relationship to each other within the movie,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, probably doesn't need to get covered in spaghetti to make the point, but it 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 drives the point home.
0: <laughs> I also wrote I also wrote that it's it's literally the best use of uh, three's company misunderstanding we've seen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it's also, that misunderstanding is is at least resolved fairly quickly. Quickly, yeah. It doesn't drag on until the end of the movie. (laughs) Right. We realize why they wrote a best friend for Ali, right? Yeah, (laughs) Because so she could deliver this, so she could... (laughs) That one line of information, yes. (laughs) Um, It also, that shot also reminded me, and again, speaking to the 70s of it all, of uh, the French Connection, the scene where they're, um, where Popeye Doyle and... uh, Whatever Roy Scheider's character's is called, um, are in the car staking out the gangsters who are in like a restaurant, eating like mm-hmm. <laughs> eating the most expensive food and wine, and they're stuck <laughs> right. in their little cars freezing. To they the are
0: freezing to... Yeah, exactly. And that's what I
1: thought they were going for here as well. It's like you know, look, look you're 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 the morally superior um, character but well yeah. i don't know about Papua do well but let's, and it's, let's, it's let's, funny let's, technically, because technically outside of a 70s movie he would be <laughs> and yet you're well, the it's one who is the... excluded from from the good right. ones in life
0: and that's the thing is like the the pouring of the spaghetti on daniel and the humiliation of that is is the ultimate moment but you know, this movie is really good at seeing the world through Daniel's eyes mm. and all the slights and all the worries and all the, you know, uh, not fit inness yeah. that his character feels that I, you know, is far more universal than I think we thought at that time.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Because we all feel like that. And I think it's one of the reasons that the movie was probably so popular at the time was because it's done so well in the movie. And everybody could relate to it, yeah. no matter what socioeconomic or mm-hmm. what color race creed religion you are, we yeah. all feel left out at some point, it and does, this movie hooks into that really well
1: it doesn't seem peppered like,
0: throughout the movie it
1: doesn't seem like a whole load of fun to be on on the other side of things either, yeah right like like Ali's you know when we meet her parents and they're just they're complete they're complete hypocrites, yeah. Um, because you know they,
0: and you don't have to. You don't have to overdo no. that portion of the storyline. Well, the, line. Vi-
1: visually, you get the point, right? I think that's where this movie yeah. plays it really well. Is like they they up the visuals to an almost cartoonish point. So you yeah. know when when the dad comes in and he's he's in workout gear with a with the neck with the, <laughs> with the neck towel, towel, the neck towel. You know, it's yeah. like it's like draw, draw a affluent Beverly Hills person from the eighties kind <laughs> of uh, right. task. Um, but, yeah. but in the scene itself, it's not as simple as, you know, you stay away from our daughter, you can't hang out with a guy like that. Like, they're, they're nice to his that face, and then behind Rosita. his back is like... And, you know, behind the back, they're like, uh, are you sure? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do the do the white person thing of passive, passively aggressively right. making you feel guilty for the choices you've made. Right. Um So... Again, like everything in the scene is nuanced, but the the broad strokes are drawn so vividly.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, there's there's. But again, it's
0: it's the because it's toggling back and forth between the you know the specific and the you know minutia of detail of character, mm-hmm. and then the melodramatic. It's it's yeah. you know it's it's able to go back and forth between the two.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah but it never feels it, it it's not a kind of sometimes that can feel really bloated mm-hmm. and this never feels that way
0: never for a second it's
1: just there to make a point essentially isn't it it's like when yeah. you see um one of the cobra kai guys who's got bleach blonde eyebrows
2: <laughs>
1: and it's you know he looks like a like rutger Hauer in a in a in an eighty cyborg movie, and the point yeah. visually, the point is, it's it's like this is the exact opposite of Daniel. Like he's he's, he's he is vision, yeah. he is a completely different color to to Daniel. And but that's that's not where it ends. That's just where the dialogue starts. Mm-hmm. And that's what I that's what I appreciate about this about this movie. What mm-hmm. I don't appreciate is uh, Miyagi telling taunting daniel by saying are you some kind of girl
0: (laughs) and giving him alcohol
1: that attitude would be unwelcome now (laughs) i also don't like that moment because i have a horrible feeling it might have inspired the next karate kid Like they thought back to that line they were like no we've got to redress the balance somehow let's make a whole movie just to deal with the problem of this one line. It,
0: it's the, it was one of the few moments that's just so eighties. Yeah. That it's just it's just one of those
1: it, it's things also, that you yeah.
0: you never would think of it. Like they just you know they they think it literally. They just think of it as uh, the best funniest joke for that moment. They don't think of it as regressive as it is.
1: And they've got you know the the it also speaks to um, their ability to characterize well. And not gloss over the flaws of the characters, even Miyagi. Yeah, because sure. of course, you know, we we we're, we're roundabout about the scene in which he we find him, you know, drunk, um, grieving over the mm-hmm. loss of his wife, and you know that. Well,
0: because that comes right before all of
1: this. Yeah, and um, but that's the ter- that's like the turn.
0: Did you notice, by the way? Did you notice in that scene? where he's drunk and Daniel has to put him to bed, that at one point he tries pouring a drink from a bottle that has been unopened. Yeah. That's great.
1: Because <laughs> it's like, so far, it's kind of the Yoda model. But, you know, this is as if in Empire or, or in Return of the Jedi, Yoda, you know, we found Yoda like he'd been licking frogs all day or something and Luke found him and he was, you know... He was uh, he he was bemoaning the fact yeah, he, was, he was on
0: a po- poisonous toad high.
1: He was bemoaning the fact that he he, he ran a council that led the galaxy into fascism. Um, yeah, you know, but we don't get that scene here. But we break down the 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 archetype of the of the master of the yeah. teacher to show that he's human. He has flaws. He has trauma. He has a complicated past. Yeah. Um without laying and any of out. It's probably what got him, him is.
0: It's probably one of the things that uh, went a long way towards his Oscar nomination for this movie.
1: Yeah. And... and that's the only
0: nomination for this movie by the way.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, it's that's, that's, that's earned. Definitely.
0: Yeah, no, I think yeah, absolutely.
1: And then you know after the after the then we get into the crane mont what I've called the crane montage.
0: Yeah, that's what I called it too. <laughs>
1: um... Which is great because it has Rocky in mind.
0: But it's different.
1: But it's also, it's an inversion of that, right? Because the the music is slow and melodic. There's hardly any movement. It's all about balance.
0: Balance, right.
1: And uh, obviously Rocky is about going as fast as possible, the music being as feel-good as possible.
0: Yeah, Daniel on the bow bow of that ship, Mm. not ship, on the bow of that little rowboat, With the orange sun setting behind him is one of the most beautiful shots I've ever seen. Yeah, that's a that's a magic time, you know, sunset moment.
1: And those god awful panpipes. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I, I abs- panpipes. Who least- doesn't like
0: the panpipes in that moment? Pa-
1: panpipes are my least favorite instrument and yet i begrudgingly <laughs> accept that they're per- of course, that that's perfect there's the a perfect
0: pipes are your least favorite
1: instrument but this is how much i like this film i i think it's i i think it's it's one of those moments where a music that you a musical style you personally do not like can still be in a movie and you can still enjoy it because you know it's the right choice for the movie
2: yeah it's the last thing you well, want to
1: hear but it fits perfectly with what's with what's happening and and it it also you know it's a it's a it makes it a sequence in its own right not a rocky knockoff
0: mhm and then, well then we have Daniel's birthday
1: i just and then just one more thing again to like oh yeah go to ahead. sort of consolidate that rocky contrast when miyagi says you dance around too much i think that's specifically They're poking, (laughs) I think that's poking fun at Rocky. You think
0: that's direct? Yeah,
1: I think that's like, because it basically means the desired skill in Rocky becomes a vulnerability to Daniel here.
0: (laughs) That's good.
1: And, you know, also, at this point, you begin to realize, well, not begin to realize, you realize from the start, but... That he's, Miyagi's more than just a surrogate parent, parent to Daniel. Because... Daniel's missing a father, and Miyagi's missing a son. So yeah, right. They're they're, they're creating a family mm-hmm. out of the leftover parts of of their families.
0: And as the sequels will prove, uh, mom is irrelevant.
1: <laughs> but you're it's right. Just the but two you, of them. Yeah. From now on. <laughs> from now on, absolutely. Um, yeah. But I do, I do agree with you that that with even with the little screen time we have with her. She's developed in a way that is very interesting. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, but you know, to the point of Daniel's birthday, and when he gets his presents, and he's in the car, he's got that yellow. The you know, he gets his the the gift of the car. Mm-hmm. It's so earned to me. In a yeah. in a movie, by the way, that I believe comes in just under two hours. Yeah. Lesson not learned for the next movie. It's so earned. When he says, you're the best friend I've ever had. I believe it. And it seems real.
1: All they had to do to get under two hours was to cut out the beginning of Karate Kid Part 2.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: Which doesn't look like it belongs in that movie either. Um, yeah, I, all you're saying is absolutely true. Like it's an earned er, an er moment for the character. But yeah. the way it's situated in the movie, going back to the idea of it being a frontier, a modern-day frontier story, this is the rite of passage for the Eastern Settler. He now has his own transport. Right. And, you know, they've updated the imagery, so it's it's like, a, you know, a classic mid-century car. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a covered wagon, you know? It's, the, it's, <laughs> right, it's clearly yeah. what's going on here. And also, I guess, the, the inference of, of Happy Days yeah maybe with you know um isn't rock around don't can't we hear rock around the clock briefly as well when they're in the car oh do we because most people would know pat Morita through happy days at this yeah point. so i think there's at least a little bit of play um to that i completely forgot we're getting into the tournament section now i completely forgot miyagi cheated his way into this tournament <laughs>
0: Oh, I didn't. I remember that completely. It's one of my favorite parts.
1: <laughs> oh, it's it's beautiful. There's that slide. I love him stealing that black belt. Stealing, stealing the black belt. <laughs> um, and then after that. And then- I also love that the
0: the 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 cover for stealing the belt is him saying, "This is and this is <laughs> this is an auditory thing." Yeah. Not a not a written on pen of like pencil to paper thing he says it's uh miyagi not Miyagi.
1: yeah (laughs) and then then there's the whole translator ruse with like you know using the white people's ignorance of japanese americans to. oh i guess that would be all right (laughs) yeah to exploit the system that they've created it's a great outsider yeah both those moments are great sort of you know uh It's the the outsider manipulating the system to their own ends. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the real kind of cheer moments. Um, And like, you know, obviously
0: there's and there's a, uh, you know, taking taking the last sort of moment for uh, Pat Morita and and his manner of speak mm. that we've been talking about throughout the episode, because it's his final button and a great one when the man who who can't speak English, the, the white man says,
1: thank you. He says, welcome, and then walks off. <laughs> uh, God, <laughs> so good. Marina had to had to play, this is like a Russian doll kind of uh, yeah, thing. That right. He had to play someone who didn't know English yeah, but knew English right. better than this guy he's pretending to be. Yeah. And, you know, this is where the movie goes into, and I have no problem with this, it's pure movie sport at this time, right? Stuff that doesn't really happen in sport, but happens in sports movies. Daniel's ability to go straight from competition, virgin to title contender in a matter of minutes.
0: (laughs) He's literally running out of, uh, you know, off the mat. Yeah. In the first moments of his first match. And then all, all we need for him to become a contender is the song basically that's it I was gonna to say it, it's
1: sort of like via the medium of montage yeah becomes
0: a title <laughs> Through 80s montage he becomes great but wh- and yeah what's great I want to say this too because we haven't talked about this yet and in juxta juxtaposition to the other movie the 2010 I want to say yeah that uh this movie seems over and over and over again, When it's required to have a needle drop song, they pick the right song. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, You're the Best Around is, of course, you know, known throughout the land as one of the great montage songs. I mean, who doesn't love it?
1: But it's also interesting that, I don't know, it, it would be easy to misremember this as being Daniel's theme. But well, it's just it's it's kind sure. of it's 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 everyone's theme, right? It's showing Daniel progressing to the finals and Johnny simultaneously. So it's mm-hmm. like, who does this music really belong to? Now and that's the great thing about this this sequence is that, even though Johnny is the villain of the piece, at least at this point, or he's mm-hmm. you know that he's a henchman, I guess uh, archetypally like sure. they give the movie gives him the dignity to showcase his skills as well as his aggression like you see him yeah. you see him gracefully winning games winning matches not just doing it through brute force yeah and that makes the the moment later on where Chris tells him you know just or well tells firstly his his predecessor to sweep the leg and then tells him you know just do it do him dirty basically you you see that an athlete like johnny and with the skill that he has to be asked to do that is beneath him yes and that's right. a big part of what that montage is as well as obviously getting daniel from the point of being of not being able to win to being close you know being able being within a hair's breadth of winning
0: well and i like that they set it up too. you know One thing I I really enjoyed watching this time around was seeing character development down to the smallest characters because I think it's Bobby. Yeah. Bobby is the one that puts Daniel out of the Mm -hmm. tournament momentarily. But Bobby's also the one that told Johnny he'd had enough right before Miyagi kicked all their asses. Mm -hmm. It's Bobby that tells Kreese, hey, I can beat this guy. Mm -hmm. But of course... The adult is staring you down and you're going to, you know, as a teenager, you have to do what you're told. So then he hurts Daniel. Mm -hmm. But the first thing he does, he's like literally on top of him saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. sorry." And so there's a lot of care taken to to have, uh, you know, character development down to that small of a character, which I think is great for this film.
1: And it lands better because you've already established the archetype. Mm-hmm. You've got the broad strokes of of you know that that they are they're part of the villains team, and so yeah. when you when you see, you see that change, you see something, you see that character development happen. It 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 lands more strongly, I think. Yeah. Then then if if they if they'd have been if it had been wishy washy from the beginning as to whether they were in you know whether they were mm-hmm. with crease or whether they're secretly sympathetic to Daniel like right yeah actually that complexity would hurt the story that they're trying to tell
0: yeah i want to ask you this because there's there's something interesting happening during throughout this montage in which you're seeing all you know a, a slew of different people many of whom we haven't ever met yeah uh At different karate levels, all working mm-hmm. towards the same goal, they want to win the championship. And I, you know, the one thing I think this movie does really well, like you said, Avildsen is not doing a lot of um, Jason Bourne kind of, kind of editing. No, you know, we're we're watching the we're watching the actual fights happen, yeah. and I think Zabka and Machio are doing really good work. They never look completely out of their depths or anything yeah. like that within the karate. Except when they're supposed to. And yet... To. Yeah, Nar- yeah, Except when
1: they're narratively supposed to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: But there is one character, the Vidal character, who's the other semi-finalist mm-hmm. that Johnny beats, who clearly looks far and away like the best yeah. karate student out of anybody there. And be- that's because he literally was. Yeah. He was so good that uh, Abelson let him choreograph his own fights. Wow. And I, Oh, every time I watch this movie, I do always think that's, that guy's the best.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, you know, he, he has a great fight between Johnny and Zabka's really, you know, he's working it in that last fight. Right. But it, you know, it, did it ever, does it ever, do you ever have that thought when you're watching this movie that, uh, the movie magic is happening a little bit.
1: Uh, what do you...
0: That we have to disregard how good that guy is. Oh, yeah. Because oh, this whole our this whole, two white set guys set have piece. to be in the finals. This whole set piece is yeah. about
1: total suspension of disbelief.
0: Yeah, right.
1: But, again, within the context of a, of a sports movie where this is part of, you know, and, again, the context of Rocky, the this outsider who, you know... <laughs> someone... Uh, Someone um, makes a typo, and he's, you know, fighting the champ- right. the champion of the world, um, and it kind of feels like the same thing's going on here. So, it, it it yeah, it's all about it's all about suspension of disbelief and whether you buy into it or you don't, and that depends on how well it's executed, and it's and it's executed thoroughly, and having like having such skillful um, sport. Or you know martial arts on display, I think just adds to it. It's it, it's yeah. part of the spectacle at this point. But yeah, it, it they've got a lot of ground to cover to get Daniel to the final, and mm-hmm. you have to just. But what of, I do like well, is, does, is but I. But th- something they do, which is quite good, is that they show his side breaking the rules as much as Cobra Kai.
2: Yeah,
1: to get what they want, like th- which is interesting because. You know, you would expect it it be to be me. Well, I mean, he cheated his way into the competition, so I suppose not. But you would expect them to <laughs> err on the side of honor and respect. But they're actually willing to you get down and dirty yeah, right. when they need to because they're representing the little guy, as opposed to the right. the sort of Reaganite machine of uh, of Cobra Kai.
0: <laughs> sure. Well, not just that, but one thing I noticed throughout the tournament this time was. And this might be the benefit of having watched all of Cobra Kai, too, was this idea of defense first. Yeah. And that, you know, we're not going to get to fights to the death till the next movie. So in this one, you know, the defense can bring your points. Yeah. I, I like that Daniel has a moment against the, the <laughs> this one great villain from Cobra Kai, the guy who, who screams it must be uh, take a worm out for a walk a week or yeah. something like that, you know? And he's a great villain because he's the one guy on Cobra Kai who's who's relishing every terrible thing that they're doing. Yeah. He's always on the side. He's like, yeah! He has this terrible sort of shriek of pleasure and watching people uh, get hurt. But when Daniel has his match against him... Daniel just kind of gets a punch to the chest for a final point and the guy was really surprised by it mm. and then super pissed about it. And so I had this sense of of you know a single point coming uh cuz I think Miyagi says, you know, learn your defense points will come.
1: Yeah.
0: And 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 so you have that sense yeah, that in, he might not be the best right. karate kid there. Mm-hmm but he, he has enough discipline and enough knowledge to, to get what he needs to win, and, you know, that's it.
1: Yeah, and we're, we're back on the realism tightrope, because it's, yeah, it's, right. it's, given, it's give and take. Exactly what you're saying is right. Like it, um, There's a lot of close calls, mm-hmm. which helps the realism, even though you've got to suspend disbelief that, that Daniel could get anywhere near the final you can at least you can at least go oh, okay well there were some close calls it, it, it's 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 um it's fairly tight also when we get to the moment where he has the injury and then they say over the announcement um you have daniel has 15 minutes to yeah to do it and and we'll talk about this in relation to the next movie because it's a different timing in the next <laughs> it movie it is and there's something very john g abelson about 15 minutes is like this is the most plausible amount of time I can allow right. for this magical, you know, uh, mysticism magical, to occur. Ma- yeah, this magical <laughs> fixing of the leg to take place. Yeah. Like fifteen minutes feels about as far as people will accept. Yeah, and it's full of that give and take. But you're also aware. But that then you're, but... you're in a you're in a movie where you're kind of. You know, you're cheering on your hero to success.
0: Your hero. And and by the time you get to the end of it, but by the time, you know, Daniel's going to hop out to a quick 2-0 lead. Yeah. Which I don't think happens very often in a movie like this. And then Johnny comes back rather quickly. And the next thing you know, we're tied 2-2. Johnny should have won the tournament nearly as I could see because he did get a final punch to the face Mm. that put Daniel down. And the referee just says, that's no point. And I kept thinking, why not? Yeah. But... That that because leads to belt. the crane kick. Yeah. <laughs> but that leads to the crane kick. Yeah. And again, it's like Avalson in frame showing not just the two boys. We're not going to cut to their faces. We're not going to cut to, you know, a, a kind of uh, Western standoff. It's like where you have everything, yeah. including the crowd, the referee in right. frame. And by the time he gets that final kick, and by the time he wins, and Johnny brings the trophy to him, and the soaring music, you know, to me, it's it's kind of I don't know how you can not be won yeah. over by the movie in that moment. By the time we're getting to Pat Morita's shining face as Miyagi, mm. uh, you know, just staring at Daniel with pride. Yeah, you have to love it. I don't know how you can not love it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, he it it's the the film is kind of creating its own iconography at this point yeah. i mean the the these images will will carry <laughs> through to like even the last season of Cobra Kai refers back to these to these final mm-hmm. images um final images in in this uh in this movie and yeah it's I, I you know the stake the stakes are really high, but they find a way to make it work where it feels almost plausible
2: mm hmm
1: so again and then filmatically
0: it becomes iconic. Mhm. Yeah. You know. So they were doing something right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And again I think and again this can be contrasted with, with the 2010 version. It's like
0: Well, and I want to bring yeah, cuz you know, not, we'll, not, we'll get there when we get there, but
1: not relying on the spectacle of sport to carry you through, like actually do actually having to Right do storytelling that the audience can can buy into in the, in those moments, not simply the event yeah. the event itself. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting, like, I wonder, because Rocky, we talked about Rocky Balboa and how basically the game is just how it would look on HBO. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. and that yeah. really works for that movie. And I think they try to do it again in Karate Kid 2010 and it fails miserably. Um, yeah. But this is but maybe with this material, you have to go in this direction to make it work. Um, but I think it's a, you know, it's
0: a. Well, it, you know, you, you can. It's. I have lots of notes about the difference between directors. Sure. Between these two films and. And, and also, you know, and also. And it's, I think it's as simple as you know. Maybe you don't have to do it like this film, but at least Avildsen knows what to do, well, and also, he has at least yeah. one answer.
1: And the mod, you know, and again, the model is Rocky, so Daniel's, like, down right. and out before his final, well, Rocky too, I suppose. Da- down and out before cu- the comeback. And then, you know, it becomes a matter of, is it gonna be, is he gonna be the best loser a la Rocky, or is he, are we mm-hmm. gonna let Daniel have a happy ending, and against all odds, take the trophy? And they let him take the trophy. And,
0: and because you have Rocky, and because yeah. you in this in this movie you have Miyagi saying things like win or lose, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And because you know, like I said, because you have Rocky and Avalson having directed it, yeah. I think you have enough information there to not know for sure what's gonna happen.
1: And again, you know, calling back to the calling back to the crane and so the you know, changing the significance of that and what that means and how important that move is. Right. Um you know, it's it's not it's not sort of pulling any last minute surprises out of its ass. No. You know? It 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 all feels intentional, deliberate, established where this movie's going and It
0: actually feels like the only satisfying. thing that was supposed to happen,
1: you know. Right. And you know, it's it is yeah. it's, it's a it's they a do... satisfying ending. Right. That just has to take some shortcuts that all sports movies do. And mm-hmm. and that's part of the pleasure of the genre, so I think it all works together very well, but you know, one one inch off in neither direction, it would have been horrible. Uh credit check? Sure. Uh Yahoo number one and Yahoo number two. Those are the <laughs> names of those two racist guys. They don't that even sounds about right. They don't even get descriptive hick names. They are literally archetypes. <laughs> Um there's a character credited as Chicken Boy. He's the guy dressed as the chicken at the Halloween party. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's helping the actor swallow the pill of not being seen outside of a chicken costume in the entire movie to be credited <laughs> thus. Here's
0: a couple Maybe they of... got him walking down a hallway.
1: Yeah. Couple of credits here, Boom Man and Cable Man. For all the good work with ethnicity, race, and class, still a way to go with gender equality. At least where the credits are concerned. There you go. Karate tournament consultant. So, how does this guy feel about Miyagi cheating the system and the Deus Ex Machina of the of the? Maybe black it was magic? his
0: idea. Maybe it's like if you're gonna cheat a tournament, this is, is how, how you, you do, it. do it.
1: Yeah, like those uh, like those cat burglars who become security consultants. Yeah. Um, physical trainers for uh Machio and Marita. Mm. Body by Jake. Hey, all the right. Same tra- the same trainer that brought us Harrison Ford's torso in 1984's Temple of Doom. There you go. Yeah, that's the.
0: So we know he's good.
1: Yeah, Jake <laughs> is the difference between Return of the Jedi, Han Solo, and Temple of Doom. Indifference. <laughs> <laughs> There's a band on the soundtrack called Commuter. All right. Which is both adhering to the laws of naming a power ballad group and also falling way short of the standard. (laughs) There's like one word, single image, but Commuter, of all things. Um, it's interesting, if you go if you go online and, and, and Google search commute, the band commuter, the first thing that comes up is, why can't I find information about the band commuter? <laughs> that's like the number one search term. <laughs> and that's helpful when you're doing a Google search, because then you know the search is over, right? I'm never going to get, I can never get past I'm never going to
0: get as far as I want.
1: <laughs> uh, that tells me that the search is over. That's good. I think we talked about this when we did the sequels, but uh, that disclaimer mm. about the DC Comics version of the Karate Kid. Oh yeah, right. In all of the all these movies, now I just want to add that I think that this is a multiverse opportunity going begging. <laughs> I think I've had enough multiverse for a while. I think I think the next the next Flash movie needs to be like uh, Michael Keaton's Batman and Ralph Macchio's Karate Kid. <laughs> The
0: fight we never asked for, but always wanted.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and I like the fact that um, the fate, the credits disappear and the music continues and then it fades out. So the end credits right. are adhering to the laws of 80s pop music, not those of cinema credits.
2: There you go. <laughs>
1: and I'm done.
0: All right. Well, uh, let's do our inversion.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, this probably comes as no surprise. I don't think it's
0: going to be uh too hard for people to figure out is is Karate Kid a good movie?
1: Yes, it's a very, it's a very good movie. Very good. It's still good. a
0: good movie.
1: Well, and uh do you put it at the top of the list? Yeah, absolutely. By far. By far. Although I will say and it's not fair to compare the two because they're in different media, but mm. This move, it's a good. That's
0: an important question. What's better in your mind, Karate Kid or Cobra Kai? Cobra Kai.
1: I think the best of Karate the the best moments of of uh, Cobra Kai are on the par with the best moments of Karate Kid. Yeah, I All think right. that's the probably the best. I there's not one I prefer more. It's hard. I mean, you know, it, the, then you get into the area of of one could exist without the other. Right, so mm-hmm. co- so only one could exist without the other. So Cobra Kai cannot exist without Karate Kid, but Karate Kid doesn't need Cobra Kai. So, if you look at it at that level, this is this is more this is more important right. in terms of quality. Though I th- I honestly think it's a tie. Yeah, but again, it's that compl- the complementary thing. They work so well together that yeah. they're almost indistinguishable.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on on all counts. Um, But
1: this was, I don't know, yeah, it's like just surprisingly complex, which Mm -hmm. is, I mean, that's a backhanded compliment, right? Because that means that you're going into it thinking it's going to be superficial, which I I wasn't.
0: After having seen it several times. Yeah,
1: but (laughs) I did, yeah, again, I, I just, I don't think I ever paid attention to how deep the storytelling goes. It's funny because after
0: having done the sequels with you and watching all of Cobra Kai, I think I was expecting this to diminish yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and it
1: really doesn't
0: for me and it no. didn't. I mean, I it, it even I I even found more to like it. Uh, I
1: agree. I've had exactly the same experience.
0: So good on you, Karate Kid from 84, you know.
1: And it doesn't it's uh, it, you know, it's one of those originals where it feels like everything Everything is set in place. It doesn't. Not, you know, sometimes you can go back to the original movie, and if if a mythology has expanded exponentially since then, it can feel like a kind of more of a blueprint, more like a pilot, yeah. even. And it doesn't feel like that. It feel it, it holds together as one film so well.
0: I think so too. Yeah.
1: It 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 gives space for other. Um, installments of the franchise for sure, some of which they took some of which they um, <laughs> took advantage of and others that they didn't but it's absolutely a movie that could per- exist perfectly well without a sequel mm-hmm. it's that strong, it's that tight it's that tightly bound yeah. movie that can just exist on its own but is is good enough and rich enough to precipitate more
0: yeah, I mean, I you know, I think Cobra Kai proves what you could do. Yeah. With it, uh, far more than the sequels themselves yeah, do. You know, I think the sequels that well, they all fall mm-hmm. short uh, of how good this movie is. But uh, for me, it's a sliding scale that just keep kind of getting worse and worse. You have this outlier where you like three. But I think, I think they all kind of have something uh, to like within them. Uh, no matter whether you think that they're good movies or bad movies, there's still yeah. at least something there. And I think Cobra Kai kind of proves that that they you know you could take something that uh, people didn't think worked and turn it into something that works. Yeah. Uh, so that says something about the original ideas yeah the, the ingredients
1: you know? are, are, are great i mean that's the, the thing it's 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 yeah uh, you, you have to cook them properly and it's all born out of this i yeah. mean
0: those ingredients are all born out of this first thing so but it's
1: also you know if you get the seasoning to, to go with the you know ingredients analogy if you get the right. seasoning wrong you end up with the next karate kid you know it's this <laughs>
0: i'll say you get michael ironside
1: well at a know, boarding that's... school of some sort <laughs> <laughs> he might he might be the same the saving grace of that movie but
0: he might yeah, yeah you're right all right well ladies and gentlemen uh we thank you this is your five dollar episode for joining the patreon you're gonna have to tell us what you think about the karate kid
1: <laughs> you basically you paid us five dollars for us both to <laughs> e- to enjoy a movie that we already enjoyed but now enjoy yeah. far more. So really, yeah. we should be paying we found all something. of you $5. <laughs> Shh. Shut up, Tom. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the guy, the guy on the marketing <laughs> course told me not to say that. Sorry. You're
0: going to have to find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com or leave a comment on the Patreon. Mm. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome <laughs> Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here. Of the How Dare You Awards. If you're paying ten bucks, coming up next, the Karate Kid from 2010.
1: Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. To make honey, young bee need young flower, not old prune. Good stuff. As true today. (laughs) As it was was in 1984. I don't know. (laughs) That doesn't feel right either. (laughs) Also, that's very early on in uh, in their relationship to be... Uh, essentially talking about Daniel's mating practices
0: his fucking (laughs) (laughs) on that note so long everybody